Welcome to the Money Over 50 podcast, brought to you by Dallas Davison and Michael Hogue from Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. This information is general in nature and does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Therefore, you should consider whether the information is appropriate for you and your personal circumstances. If you require personal advice, please contact Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. Here are your hosts, Dallas Davison and Michael Hogue. Welcome to Money Over 50. Today's topic, the good, the bad and the ugly of tax deductions. Michael, fantastic title. What are we talking about today? Well, Dallas, tax deductions, I just feel, is one of the areas that is the least understood uh, area of finances. Yep. People say to me all the time, this is tax deductible, that's tax yeah. deductible. And they have. As, as though it's an unalloyed good, as though if it's tax deductible, it must be a fantastic financial decision. It, it, exactly. That, that's, that's what they think. So they, they, they talk about this is tax deductible, that's tax deductible. Yeah. Um, and we're certainly not saying uh, don't, don't use tax deductions to your advantage. I mean, we talk and anyone every was, single anyone podcast. Anyone who's to this podcast would know that using, we are, no one's more into tax deductions than us. Yeah, so the the the, um, the classic spaghetti western, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, just, this just came to me the other day, and I thought, gee, yep. that fits in nicely with yep. with uh, tax deductions because I I see there's five primarily good tax deductions. Yep, there's um, one that's bad, yep. and there's one that's just plain ugly. Yes, so so we'll go through yep. those. Yeah, and have a little bit of fun with that and, as well. And that's I think I guess as people listen to it is. They're, what they're thinking about may not actually. We may not be talking about this, but as as I guess a takeaway to think about here is that yeah, you really got to think about what is it that I'm trying to achieve, and is this expense that I'm claiming a tax option on is, is it actually putting me in a better position or not? So yeah, we might not necessarily go through every different type of tax deductible option or expense mm. in here, but as you as you go to do this, that's the the first thing that I want to. A click into people's brain is that it's not it's not magic. Just because you get a tax deduction for something doesn't mean that it, it suddenly makes it a, a great financial decision. So that's right. So and I, and I think um, overall, I'd categorise them into two main things. So so one is I spend a dollar now. Yeah, I get. But it, but it doesn't. It yeah, it doesn't. I get a tax deduction now yeah. on some of that money. So some yeah. of that some of that dollar comes back to me. Yeah. And that dollar is going to turn into a dollar fifty or two dollars yep. down the track. The bad, what I see, is someone spends a dollar now yep. to get yep. back thirty nine cents, yep. and that dollar disappears. Yep. So that dollar is not turning into yep. two dollars. No. What no. happens is they they yep. waste a dollar yeah. to get back thirty nine cents that's, that's or thirty nine exactly right. cents. So that's, that's probably the yeah, like you say, the two broad categories, and we'll go through the good, the bad, and then the, and then the really ugly, but. It is really that thing of for every dollar that you're spending now, yes, you might be getting an immediate tax deduction on it, but is that dollar going to turn into $2 in 10 years' time, 20 years' time, or is that dollar going to turn into $0 yes, in, in exactly. 10 years, 20 years' time? So the good, first of all, so I got I have five good, yeah. and and the first one, concern contributions to superannuation. So, yeah. Yeah. so um Salary sacrifices included in that or yeah. personal contributions that, that you claimed. claim as a tax deduction via lodging a notice of intent to claim a tax deduction form. Um, everyone's familiar yeah. by now, I'm sure, with the $25,000 per person limit each yeah. year. Yeah. So what that means is that you can put in, including what your employer puts into superannuation, up to $25,000 yeah. and claim that as a tax deduction each financial year. So if your employer is putting in $10,000 to super, um, uh, using that example, an individual could put in $15,000, yep. um, claim that as a tax deduction. Now, what that does is for for 99% of people, um, barring for exceptionally high income earners, but for 99 cent, uh, for 99% of people, what that what that does is that money that they put into superannuation via salary sacrifice or via the personal contribution that they claim as a tax deduction, what happens is they ultimately put that money in, they pay 15% tax on that contribution to superannuation, but they claim a tax deduction mm-hmm. of 
between 34.5% and 39%. Now, I'm using that as an average. Yeah. And that, because that's good, the average tax brackets yeah. for the average of people is between 34.5% and 39%. Yeah, so. and, and that's a great point is that obviously tax deduct tax deductions are more valuable if you are paying more in tax. And that's yes. kind of what we're, so obviously what we're talking about by its nature here is people who have a, a reasonably high taxable income. So if you're mm. earning $10,000 a year, you just don't think about tax deductions because no. you're not paying any income tax at all. But for the average person who is working, is earning, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70, $100,000, these are going to be of some use to you. And that's kind of what you're talking about is that's one that we talk about all the time. This is really the low-hanging fruit of just, you know, you've, you've got $100, you can put that into super and pay $15 tax on that or you can you can keep keep that in your, in your own bank account but to keep that money, you've got to pay $34.5 or $39 yes. tax on that. So and the way that we like to think about that, of course, yeah. Dallas, is that if you put in $10,000 over the course of the year as a personal contribution yeah. to superannuation yeah. and you're on a 39% tax bracket, you've already paid 39% tax yes. on that money, yep. income tax. You fill out your form, notice of intent to claim a tax deduction. What happens is that um, rule of thumb, you get back 39% of that $10,000 that you've put in. You yeah. get back $3,900 in tax return yeah. and um, only $1,500 is levied on the way from in. the superannuation fund. We call that free money. Yeah. So that's the free money we're talking about. I claim it at 39%. Yep. Um, I, I pay 15% tax on the way in. There's a 24% overnight return. Yes. Um, that is just unheard of. Yep. It, it's we, we bang on and bang on and bang on about this one yep. because so many people aren't doing it. Yes. And it's just such a it, – it's free money. Like, and, like we, we, we talk about that as we love free money. We love guaranteed returns. This is a guaranteed, in this example, a 24% yes. guaranteed rate of return overnight just in that tax deduction or that tax difference. Tax difference. If, if, if I was allowed to do – yeah. More and more and more of that, then I, I would, would do more and yeah. more and more of that. And that, that's, I guess, the, the, the point at which ties into what you were saying before is that the beauty of that is it's that you, you do get that immediate overnight return, but, but the, the real benefit is that what you're doing with that money is that it is going in and being invested in your superannuation fund and it's growing for your retirement. So yep. it's, you know... If you had to put, if you had to do that to to get that tax deduction, if you had to spend that money on on something that wasn't going to get you a return, or, or if yeah. you were going to spend that money on something that you weren't focused on, but for most people who are over fifty, there's they are focused on building up their retirement savings, and That's so right. it's just free money because you go, I can then put that money, and I get an I get an overnight return in terms of that tax deduction. Yes. And then I get that money. It's, it's in that concessionally taxed environment and it's working for me. And that's what we're talking about is that your dollar that you've put in is growing to $2 over time and I've got a tax deduction on the way in. Yes. So it's, it's the, the best of both worlds. And that's why it's, this is the good, these sorts of categories. That's right. Point two is, um, is, is an extrapolation on point one. Yeah. So it's still a concessional contribution to superannuation. However, the legislation that has come in not so long ago, uh, uh, which is called carry forward concessional contributions, and what that what that actually allows you to do is to use any unused amounts of that twenty five thousand dollar concessional cap. It allows you to go back five years and use any of those in one particular financial year. I'm going yep. to give you an example in a minute. Yep. Um, there is a there is a an anchor point there, yep. which is the start Three of the 2018-19 yep. financial year. So yep. we're recording this in January 2021. Yep. Uh, so we're in the 2020-21 financial year. So, so currently... Um, uh, if I'm if I'm looking at a contribution using the carry forward, I can only go back to, to the start of yeah. 2018, 19. So I'll give you the example. So this is a, a real life client of mine, um, Christine. So so her and her husband sold a an investment property that they've held for a long time. There's significant capital gain on that. And what had happened is that that. $133,906 of capital gain uh, came 
is coming Christine's way this particular financial year. So what what uh, what's happened in 2018-19, her employer contributions, she's, she's actually on a low income. Yeah. Um, her employer contributions were 1739 for the year. So she has $23,261 of cap space yeah, from 2018-19 yep. that she can use. 2019 dollars $2,232 of employer contribution, so similar. Yeah. And, and for 2020-21, she's on track for about the same amount, so $2,232 of contribution. So... So what what it, what it actually means is that over these three financial years, 2019-19, and 2020-21, um, her employer contributions total are on track to only be $6,203. Yep. So, so she has 68... So, so this is a hard point to get across on a podcast... She actually has seventy five thousand dollars of cap space for those three for those years, three years yep. minus the amount of minus the amount of employer contributions yep. that have gone in yep. over those three years. So she actually has sixty eight thousand seven hundred and ninety seven dollars of available cap space. Yep. Um, now, what a capital gain is is it's just assessable income. So the capital gain for her is one hundred and thirty three thousand nine hundred and six dollars. On top of her salary, which is about twenty five thousand dollars, so she's set to have a, a taxable income of some, you know, a hundred and almost one hundred and sixty thousand dollars in this financial year, two thousand twenty twenty one, because she's got sixty eight thousand seven hundred ninety seven dollars of cap space. She um, can contribute. She can actually that. contribute sixty eight thousand seven hundred ninety seven dollars of money to superannuation, which we are doing. We've done that. Yeah. Um, and claim that as a tax deduction. So, so basically, what that does is it is it knocks sixty eight thousand seven hundred ninety seven dollars of off taxable income, of income off the top of the income, and it's yeah. off the top, which is yeah. important too. It's not off yeah. the bottom. Yeah. So um, that drops her, that drops the capital gain, the tax that she's going to pay in that capital gain down significantly. Yeah. So that's and that's what you're saying. It's it's a continuation of that first strategy, which is that. You you can do that in in every year. Everyone can do that. It's mm. just that um, generally you're limited by the the amount that you amount of cap space you've got available mm. and the amount of of um, taxable income that you have. So this is a, a case study here <coughs> of you know she's got high taxable income in this year and and a significant amount of cash that they've they've got it, from the it, sale. It, of that it's property. a unique one because yeah. um, the property was owned jointly with her husband. Now yeah. now he gets the same capital gain. Yeah. Um, because he's on a much higher income. Yeah. We've actually we can't do the strategy because yeah. we've actually taken advantage of him putting in twenty five thousand yeah. dollars every year. Yeah. So it, it was because she was on a, a lower income. Yeah. Um, uh, that that it just didn't make. Sense for her to salary sacrifice to superannuation, yeah, in the past, or or to claim any contributions as a tax deduction, because her taxable income was only twenty five thousand dollars. Yes, so yeah, so it doesn't suit everyone's situation. No, but, but it's a, it's a it's a beauty for for um, capital gains tax is is one of those ones in particular that it's a it's a really good one for. Yeah. And, uh, and that's like you're saying. The same thing applies here. The reason it's the reason it's the good is that you've got that that big tax bill that you're that you're dropping right down, but that money isn't disappearing. It's going into your super fund. It's working for you behind the scenes. That's right. So she was set to pay, let's call it thirty nine percent tax on that sixty eight thousand seven hundred ninety seven dollars of capital gain by putting it into superannuation. She'll only pay fifteen percent tax. Yep. on that money. So point three. The so once money's gone into superannuation, there's only a fifteen percent earnings tax on that. So here's a tax discount for people. Yeah. And let's use an example of um, like a real life figure of of a hundred thousand dollars. So imagine you've got a hundred thousand dollars of of savings. Yep. From the sale of a property or something like that. Yep. You could actually invest that in your own name. Yep. Next people again, they're on the thirty four and a half percent to 39 percent tax marginal uh, tax rate rate. so um if they invest that in their own name the returns 
conceptually the same rate of return that they would get inside a superannuation fund. You can invest into the same things yep. primarily. So what we're assuming here is that the investment return is going to be the same if they invest that money in their own name. Mm-hmm. Or if they'd put it into their superannuation, the investment return would be the same. The after-tax returns would be different. Yeah. Because um, in their own name, that sum of money invested, they pay thirty four and a half percent to thirty nine percent on the income, not the lump sum, in uh, each and every year over ten years. Versus if they have that money inside their superannuation fund, yeah. the, the tax rate is is fifteen percent. So yeah. there's another yeah. tax deduction there, um, and, and this becomes really valuable as. Um, as that figure goes up and up and up, so obviously over time you, we want we want our retirement savings to grow. And on average, people come to us with about half a million dollars, and they're trying to get to one point five. So yep. when you've got one point five million dollars uh, invested for you, and 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 you know, as your retirement savings, <coughs> if you assume that you hundred thousand, and this is all very, it's not quite this simple, but if you assume that you get a hundred thousand dollar return for the year, uh, to use those simple. Um, that comparison, if you've got $100,000 of, of income or of a return in your own name, assuming that it all flows through in that year, which it doesn't, but forget about that for now. Yeah. If that all flowed through to you in your own name and and you were still working, you would likely pay at least 39% tax on that. So yes. you'd get a $100,000 return, you would pay $39,000 in tax. Whereas if you've got that $1.5 million in your superannuation fund, invest in exactly the same way gets a $100,000 return, you'd only pay $15,000 in tax. So yes. once again, as those numbers go up, that gets exponentially more more valuable. Absolutely. And that's a that's a good, perfect segue into point four, which is franking credits. So franking credits really probably one of the other least understood. Yeah. Um, I think we did it. We did a whole podcast on credits, didn't we? It was, we, one it of the was called ones. franking credits, not just a great racehorse <laughs> name, I think it was called. Uh, yeah. yeah, go back and have a listen to that. So I'll give you a quick um, explanation. So Australian companies pay tax at the rate of 30% yeah. are publicly listed companies. So if you're a shareholder of those companies, what happens is that is that on the profits that those companies have earned at the company level, before you've seen any capital growth or before you've seen any dividend that they pay to you, um, there's already been 30% tax deducted from that and it's gone off to the ATA. You just haven't seen that. So what happens is that you get a credit for that 30% tax that's been paid. Now, a really, really simple example, What's the? we just talked about the earnings tax rate of a superannuation fund. It's 15%. If I get a $10,000 dividend from uh, Australian companies that I own inside my super fund, I pay 15% tax, so I lose... You know, this is a really, really simple example. It's, yeah. it's a little bit more complicated than this, but but I, I lose 15% tax, but I get a 30% tax credit. Yeah. And that is a rebate yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, this, this was the, the actual... I think when we did the original podcast was when there was all the, the big stink about uh, franking credits not being refundable in the future. That, that, that's, that was what, what brought that to the fore, but this is the point you're making is that it actually doesn't matter whether you have a you don't need a tax income to 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 offset that you actually get that as a as a cash refund yes that's yeah. right exactly so so and again um, if there's accountants to this or other financial advisors this 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 isn't the way it's calculated and just just bear in mind <laughs> that I know the way that it's calculated yeah. but I'm just trying to get the point across here yeah. um, I get a I, I get a dollar of dividend I lose 15 cents yeah because the tax rate's 15 percent yeah but I get a thirty percent tax credit, yep. so it effectively turns my dollar of dividend into a yep. dollar fifteen yep. um, after tax. Yeah. So it's positively taxed environment. Franking credits is positively taxed environment. Yeah. It's available for only Australian companies, Company. so yep. it's only for it's only for the Australian proportion, proportion. of yep. companies that you're invested into. Yeah. That is not licensed to go out and buy only Australian no. companies. I'm not, <laughs> not making any recommendations no. there. In fact. W- Ignoring the franking credit is a, is a very 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 good tax deduction. Yeah. Um, we personally and for our clients diversify yeah. across the board yeah. into far more things and than that, just that's, Australian that's, companies. That's I guess uh, like we said we touched on that um, at the start. Anytime you're talking about tax, it has to 
the tax effectiveness needs to be a secondary part of the strategy. The first part yes. of the strategy needs to be what is actually what is best overall. And that's a really good example of one where, you know, being diversified across a range of different countries and economies and different companies is is, is a, a safer way to invest. So you shouldn't just go, well, investing in only Australian companies is more tax effective, therefore that's what I'm going to do. That's right. Yeah, um, so brilliant point, Dallas, because we see that people um, – put the tax deduction side of things first in a lot of their investment decisions yep. or a lot of their personal decisions. So it, it can only be a secondary benefit, the tax yep. side of things. Yep. So it's, ne- it's ne- it should never be the primary benefit yep. for doing something. Yep. So point five, wrapping it all up yep. in in the good yep. is, that, is that once you've attained the age of 60, um, you can... You can and and retired either sixty and retired or age sixty five and still yeah. working, yeah. Um, or, or age. We've talked about this as well. I don't want to complicate yeah, no, no. this, but <laughs> age yeah. sixty and a change to your and change an employment your agreement has ended. Let's yeah. just call it roughly age sixty, and yeah. and, and um, after attaining age sixty, you can actually move your superannuation from a fifteen percent taxed environment to a zero percent taxed environment. Yeah. And the limit is one point six million dollars per individual. So yep. as a couple, you yep. can you can you can effectively have up to three point two million dollars in what we would call, just think of it as a tax free company. So yep. so your superannuation savings, you can have up to three point two million dollars as a couple, and you can effectively the easiest way for me to get the point across here because people get a little bit confused at this is just imagine like you have a tax free company. Yeah. So. Any money that that's going to make as a rate of return for you uh, from that $3.2 million or from that up to $3.2 million as a couple is is tax-free internally and it's tax-free as an income yeah. uh, that and you can draw from. So it's like that. having a yeah. tax-free trust or a tax-free company. Yeah. Now, we have, a, we, have a, we have an amazing system in Australia. Yeah. And the amazing system is it's different from the UK. It's different from uh, the USA. You actually get a tax deduction on the way into super, and yeah. it's tax free on the way out. Yeah. If you if you set it up correctly, that doesn't exist anywhere else in the no. world. So it is amazing. So and anytime people say uh, that that you know, um, I guess we have a punitive tax system. We, that may be the case when you when you're paying income tax. Yeah, but uh, because we have some of the, the income highest system. income tax yeah. rates. Yeah. However, that's that's even more reason yeah, to, to, use to actually use concession. the concessional contributions to superannuation because you can you can you can get that tax deduction on the way in and then yeah. it's tax free on the way out. That doesn't exist anywhere else. No, and that's that's I guess the point. When we talk about the we talk about this with every area of financial planning is that when you do when you do good things, you get you get you end up with easier and better decisions in future. Yes. And and if you do bad things you've only got hard choices to make later on mm. so when we look at the good the good options the good ways to save tax here these all flow in together really well so yes. you know in simple terms you know you you make that contribution to super which is your point one you pick up that big tax saving on the way in then and and you know part two of that is you can use those carry forward contributions you yes. can make an even bigger contribution pick up a bigger tax saving on the way in then once it's in there, you're paying 15% tax versus your your marginal tax rate. So, you, like I say, you've made a good, smart choice. Yep. Then you've got the flow-on effect of that is also good. The, the return on that money, you're only paying 15% on. Then, as you touched on, if we get that money working for you, spread out across you know, Australian companies in that case, they then come with franking credits. So that's mm. that's another good part of our tax system. <laughs> and then you end up with the situation where you've done the good work, you've made the, the smart tax-effective choices here, you end up at retirement being able to take advantage of that that that, that tax-free uh, ent- that environment in retirement where you, you, you picked up the tax savings the whole way through, your earnings the whole way through are being concessionally taxed, and then you end up in an environment where you pay no tax on the earnings and you pay no tax on the income. So those good decisions, those good tax savings, they just, the flow-on effect of them is huge. Whereas as we go through the bad and the ugly here, you'll see that there's, there's nothing but more hard choices coming down the road. You know? Absolutely. So um, the bad, onto the bad now. So the, the, the worst one of the bad that I see is negatively geared rental property. Yeah. And uh, uh, just to clarify, we said the worst one of the bad 
there there is also the ugly. So there is there is, there is worse, the ugly but, as well. Yeah. But I guess the bad. These are the these are the commonly seen things where you know it's it's not you're not lighting money on fire. It's not no. disappearing. It's probably just not the most effective way that you. It's probably not the most effective way to grow your wealth. It is it is a way to pick up tax savings, but it's it's a it's a bad way to pick up tax savings because it's mm. not the best use of that spare cash flow. This is this is done primarily for a tax deduction. I see. So yeah. so I see yeah. people buy rental property. Yeah, and they the primary reason for them doing that is the tax deduction. Yes, which which is wrong in any any other as, way. I mean, as as we said, doing anything just for the tax deduction doesn't. Doesn't line up, doesn't stack up. Going back to the concessional contributions to super, if I was going to put money into superannuation and that money wasn't going to go anywhere, it was going to go backwards over yep. that period of time. And that would be bad. Then it would be bad. I wouldn't do it just for the tax deduction. Yep. Yep. It's it's just that the tax deduction makes it so much more attractive yes. because the money, if yep. it's invested correctly, is going to grow for me. Yeah, and that's that's um, that's I think what's. Um, Hard about the, the bad, and, and we're probably offending a lot of people with this using this as the as the example for the bad. But the point we're making here is that if you look at a negatively negatively geared property, <coughs> it is a, it's a great way to pick up a tax mm. refund every year. But the actual the cost to you and what you end up with in ten years time mm. generally doesn't line up as as good as your, your other options. No, and 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 what I want to talk about here is I want to talk about the averages as yeah. well. Yeah. So people. Are, Always point out to me that yeah, um, I know somebody. Yeah, they bought this hundred thousand yeah. dollars property. And it's, it's turned into five hundred thousand dollars. Well, if we if we want to play that game, I can name any number of yeah. thousand companies yeah. around the world that have done that. Yeah. That have done yeah. multiples of that. That's right. Um, so what we're talking about here is the averages. Yes, and 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 we're not saying that we're not saying that rental property doesn't work for people. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. I've seen it work for people. Yeah. Usually what you have to do is really, really gear up, yeah. which I don't know. I question if that's the best. I mean, we are called money over 50. Yeah. <laughs> so I question if that's the best yeah. way to make money yeah. um, when you're over 50. If you're in your 20s, arguably, you know, you can, you can, you can, you can borrow and buy a rental property and then and then borrow and buy another one, and borrow and yeah. buy another one, and and and, and, and you know you can you could use all of that potentially yeah. to get ahead because if you get the market the moving, right leverage leverage into anything will make will compound the rate of return. Yeah. Either way, so yeah, if, yeah. if it's going to go backwards, and, and this is it'll compound that. If it's going to go forwards, it will compound that. But, but, but that's what, what we're like, talking about here is averages. Yeah, and that's the the I think we, we did a podcast. I can't remember the exact title, but it was basically saying what you. You don't want the the possibility of a huge amount. You mm. want the best, the the most likely outcome that you're going to be happy with. And exactly. So, exactly. So if you were over fifty, you don't want to be gearing up to the eyeballs and and borrowing uh, a heap in, to invest in anything. Like it's not just property. You don't want to be gearing up, you know, a huge amount to try and pick up an upswing in the market. You just want a strategy that on average is going to work over 10 years because you've only got 10 years to go. Yes. And and here's this this example that I'm going to give right now, I think highlights the misunderstanding of what a tax deduction is. Yeah. So the example that I'm going to use, quite a simple example, I have a rental property. It brings me in rent of $30,000 for the year. I have expenses, including the loan interest because I'm going to, I mean, I'm assuming... Of course, that I have to. I ha- you have to assume that they've borrowed to to yeah. buy this. So I have tax deductible expenses, which would be maintenance slash depreciation, um, rates, insurances. Um, what have I well, left out? Uh, well, loan interest. And this is one of those, those ones where, again, I feel like with this podcast, we keep referring to other ones, but we've done many yeah, other podcasts are. about the, the real costs of owning property. So I mean, yeah, property, I mean, the big ones are um, depreciation slash maintenance. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, we have rates, insurances. we have water, we have insurances, yeah. and we have interest on the loan. Yeah. So whatever I've borrowed to, to buy yeah. this property, we yeah. have interest on the loan. That's all a tax deductible expense. So let's assume the rent's thirty thousand dollars. Let's expu- assume that all assume that all of those expenses come to fifty thousand dollars, including the interest on the loan. Yep. What happens is that I'm negatively geared to the tune of twenty thousand dollars. 
So here's misunderstanding number one. What a lot of people think before they enter into this is that they're going to get back that $20,000 as a tax deduction. But that's not the case. What actually happens is that they get back their marginal rate of tax multiplied by that negative geared amount. So to flow that through, rent comes in $30,000, expenses go out $50,000. I'm negatively geared to the tune of $20,000. Um, so your taxable so income is reduced by that twenty thousand dollars. That's you? that's correct. So if I'm thirty nine percent tax rate, I actually get a tax return of thirty nine percent of twenty thousand dollars. So it's seven thousand eight hundred dollars of tax return. So what I look at now is I actually have two sources of income coming in. I have the rent of thirty thousand dollars, and I have a tax return of seven thousand eight hundred. So I have thirty seven thousand eight hundred coming in. Still have the same fifty thousand going out. Mm-hmm. So my out of pocket is twelve thousand two hundred for the year. Mm-hmm. Now a lot of people would listen to that and think, oh, you know, I can afford that. It's only going to cost me a thousand dollars a month to to yeah. run this property. Multiply that by ten years, my total out of pocket is one hundred and twenty two thousand dollars. Now that takes the shine off any capital growth that I get over that period yeah. of time. I need significant capital growth yeah. from that property. Um, Let's even assume, for argument's sake, that uh, I sell this property for a $300,000 capital gain. Um, um, it's cost me $122,000 along the way to mm. do that. So I have to mold, I have to subtract that. Yeah. I get hit with capital, um, gains. capital gains tax. I get hit with yeah. um, real estate costs. I get hit with all those types of things. Yeah. So, so all that takes the shine off my capital Yeah. My and, capital. And that's, that's I think, the, the point here is that the reason it's in this is in the bad and not in the ugly is that there are, you know, that may you you may be better off having done that than not done it. Mm. You know, it's probably I'm, I'm sure that would be better than taking that money and, and blowing it on, on overseas travel every year. No, no but, question. But what we're suggesting is that it's <laughs> it's probably just not the best use of of that spare cash flow of that twelve thousand two hundred dollars every year. And that's something we look at with people is that. Uh, when we've got new clients who come in and we're comparing, you know, should they keep or sell their existing uh, rental properties? And we've done, again, another podcast about this, is that the first thing you look at is, are they already maxing out their concessional contributions to super? Because yeah. if, they're not, if they're not using the good tax deductions, then, then that's, that's a real waste because they're doing something that may or may not pay off in the future yeah. to pick up a tax deduction, whereas they can be doing something that, definitely will pay off in the future mm. and, and get the same tax deduction. Absolutely. Yeah, because that, that $20,000 could actually just go into their superannuation fund. They yeah. get the same tax deduction for yeah. that. Yeah. Um, you, you know, yeah. Assuming they fit under their concessional contribution caps. Yeah. It's in a tax-advantaged environment yeah, where the rate away. of return on that money is No, no capital gains to pay on that in the no future. No capital gains tax yeah. to pay on that in the future. Yeah. Uh, again, if it's in the right asset. Yeah. And um, and I'm and I'm actually I'm, I'm getting it into exactly where I want it to be yeah. for the future. Remembering that There's when I turn time. sixty, yeah. I have the one point six million per person, three point two million per couple yeah. that I can actually effectively move into a zero percent taxed environment. Um, inverted air quotes, yeah. a tax-free company, yeah, uh, you know, called a superannuation income stream or an account-based pension mm. in retirement, yeah. Yeah, and that, and that's I think the, the the point. Like we're saying, the flow on effects there is that to just compare contributions to super. It's mm. it's the reason why we say it's the good is because it's it's not just a tax saving now. It's it flows through into that tax saving on the earnings in future years, and then into that tax free environment when you're retired. Whereas a negatively geared property, you pick up the tax saving in this year, but you're reliant on that asset. You know, you're hoping that asset goes up over time, mm. and you're hoping it goes up by more than what your out-of-pocket cost is. And then yes. you're also, it's not concessionally taxed on the sale of that asset. It's not. Uh, you then have to try and, if you want to get that money in a tax-free environment, you then have that. So, that's kind of what I meant. Where you make those, you, you know, you make the the good tax deductions. It tends to just flow through, and everything then becomes easy in five yes. years' time, in ten years' time you're picking up more and more tax savings along the way and it's just making life easier and easier. Whereas things that might be 
um, you know, the bad is that you pick up a tax saving, but then you're left with a problem in a year's time. Of what do I do then? Or what do I do in five years' time or ten years' time? It yeah, you are. And, and, and there's always a debt associated. I mean, to, to make significant money, again, in most properties, you have to multiply that. Yeah. So, so it's not enough to do it once. You have to do it yeah. twice or three times, yeah. and that, which that brings gets... into play debt. Yeah. And so... At any given point in time, you're always worried about, yeah. you know, when when do I want to get out? When am I going to be forced to retire? When when am I going to voluntarily retire? Mm-hmm. I've got to do that, and I've got to subtract that debt off the off the bottom of that at yeah. that point in time. Yeah. The ugly. So the the ugliest form of tax deduction that I've seen is salary packaging cars. Yeah. Yep. I'm not going to say so. Just just a point of clarification. If you're a business owner and you have a tax deductible car yeah. or you have a tax deductible ute or something like that, we're not saying that's a bad thing, yeah. not at all. Yeah. What we're saying here is that is that um, it could be it could be a bad thing if you do you know, if you buy twice the car that you needed or twice well, the vehicle is, that you needed. This is the point: is that you've <laughs> got to remember that what you're again, if you look at the what you're. What you're doing here is you're basically buying a depreciating asset, mm. and that's that's fundamentally what's going on. Is that you you might be using pre-tax money to do this. You might be picking up a tax saving, but you are buying, like we just said before, you're spending a dollar to get fifty cents in future. That yes. car is never going to be worth more money in ten years' time. I'll give you an example here. So, um, and what we're talking about is salary packaging cars. So, so I'll back up a little bit. Um, ordinarily. If you're not using something for work-related purposes, it's not tax deductible to you. However, salary packaging vehicles has a tax deductible element to it. Um, if you are using it for private use, uh, if you if you salary package a car, now um, people get that so mixed up, yeah. so mixed up, and and they think this car is either free. Or it's significant tax deduction that I'm getting from salary packaging. Yeah. What we see is that in limited circumstances, salary packaging and car can work out to be a slight tax deduction. However, it's almost never applied appropriately. So, if you were definitely going to buy that car and you were going to pay cash for it, and you had the cash there to pay for it. In limited circumstances, I still don't like it. Yeah, yeah. But in limited circumstances, <laughs> you might be better off. You could salary package that car, yeah. And part of the repayment and yeah. part of the running costs would be tax deductible. Yeah. It's a very small proportion, which we'll go through in a minute. Yeah. And you could you could arguably arguably then take that money that you're going to spend on that car, yeah. And you had saved and put that to better use, yeah. Almost no one ever does that. No. What, so, so what, what people do is yeah. they 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 either enter into the salary packaging arrangement for a vehicle because it's tax deductible. They end up buying a car that's twice as expensive, yep. uh, expensive as the one they were going to to do because it is tax deductible. Yeah. They also forget about the balloon payment at the end of the term. And what I'm talking about there is that if your car is worth um, uh, seventy thousand dollars. It might have a four-year lease term with a thirty percent balloon payment mm-hmm. at the at the end. So what that means is that if you want to buy the car at the end of the four years, your balloon payment of thirty percent is twenty-one thousand um, dollars. So you have to still you still owe twenty-one thousand dollars on the vehicle after four years. Um, what I see is that a lot of people forget about that. They don't. They actually don't take that into consideration. So yeah. the end of the four years rolls around. Their seventy thousand dollar car is suddenly only worth twenty one thousand dollars. Yeah, um, they sell the car, pay out the the debt, and they re enter into a new, new lease yeah. agreement. So yeah. they're continually in finance. Yeah. So here's the example because I thought sorry, uh, man, just just to clarify that because I think you sort of um, you touched on it, but I think this is really one of the big keys is that people end up buying significantly more expensive cars. Yes, this is just human nature that it's for the same reason that. It's harder to spend. It's harder to pay cash or something than it is to tap a credit card. It's the, yep. that hurt is right there. If you know, if you've hard, if you've painstakingly saved twenty thousand dollars, and then you go, oh, my car's broken down. I need to spend. Mm-hmm. I need to buy a new car. If you're paying cash for that car, if if you have to go into your savings and get that cash out, it really hurts. You feel every thousand dollars of extra of, of more car that you're getting. So you, when you're looking at that, then do I need the 
$18,000 car or the $15,000 car, you think how hard it was to save that three thousand, mm. and you think how hard it's going to be to, to save it back <laughs> again. That dynamic is taken away with salary packaging because it, it, it flows through to becoming, well, you know, a car that's three grand more expensive, it's only a few dollars a week. I just won't, you know, it's they're, fine. They're qu- there's a whole sub industry set up yes. to capture the spending as well. well. And, and that's it's like the vehicle yeah. finance industry. Yeah. And, and and dealerships, they all have yes. a department now. Yeah. <laughs> which, <laughs> to is make the, that. which is the salary packaging yeah. slash vehicle finance department. Yes. And and they're designed to make that to make that pain be as far removed as, as they can. The, the further you can kick that can down the road, the, the they always they always give you weekly figures. Yes. Instead yeah. of a monthly because no, the weekly right. figure seems less. Yeah. I've even seen a daily figure. A daily figure. This, this car will only cost you this much per, per day. day. Yeah. You can break that dollar amount down to be so yeah. small. You kind of go, oh, well, that's not that much. But that, And that's exactly right. You, you never hear of someone, or we very rarely hear of someone paying cash for a car mm. and going and thinking they need a $20,000 car and ending up with a $40,000 car. It no, just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. But yeah. we see it all the time with vehicle finance, whether it's you know a car loan or salary packaging, as in this case. People end up with twice the amount of car that they that they need, and but, and the danger is that the first point you made is that they're doing it because it's tax deductible. Yes, they can also kid themselves that, well, mm. I've spent forty grand instead of twenty grand on this car, but you know it's tax deductible. <coughs> no, no, you, you've just spent twenty thousand dollars more than what you needed to. Yes, exactly right. It's a good point. Thanks for thanks for uh, elaborating on that because that is that is the big one that we see. Yeah. Um, because the vehicle financing department and every dealership will give you the weekly figure and then yeah. I'll say hey if we salary package this yeah it was going to cost you $200 a week yeah. now it's going to be tax deductible you can get so much better a car yeah. for, <laughs> for 200 and, yeah, yeah the yeah. same amount or yeah. they'll even yeah. moderately increase yeah. it to $210 yeah. per week or, you know, they'll, after stripping they'll, the, they'll the push tax out the tax lease term or they'll do push something the to make out, it so that, make that the weekly payment amount is the, bigger yeah so here's here's a, a real life example. So a prospective client uh, who is becoming a client came to me with a lease plan already in place, mm-hmm. and we tried to get out of it because what we wanted is that money to flow into to um, uh, we want more to flow into the superannuation fund. Um, we're unable to get out of it for another two years, so he's mm-hmm. stuck with it. But here's how it splits up. So so basically uh, they take a deduction from pre-tax dollars, which is the tax deductible component of it, from his pay every fortnight and they take a post-tax deduction. What they take from his pay, um, they do this in fortnightly amounts, but I've just given you the, 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 annual. the annual amount just to avoid having so many figures. It's $11,000 per year that they actually take from pre-tax dollars. So, yeah. so basically what that equates to is that... Um, uh, if he was to receive that as pay, he would only get six thousand seven hundred and ten dollars in the hand of that eleven thousand dollars because he pays thirty nine percent tax. Yep. So his total tax saving is four thousand two hundred and ninety dollars. So remember that figure because that's that's the total tax saving yep. under this whole scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, so what it really costs him, forget about it costing him eleven thousand dollars. That's pre tax dollars. It costs him six thousand seven hundred and ten dollars of yep. of pay. Yeah, that's what he would that, receive. That, as pay. That, so that's just the before tax. Portion. So that's the before tax portion. Then there's the lease plan after tax amount, which yes. is fifteen thousand dollars per annum, and that's simple. That's a fifteen thousand uh, right. dollar in the hand cost yeah. to him because yeah. it's the same. So basically, his total wage is reduced by twenty one thousand seven hundred and ten dollars mm-hmm. um, under the lease plan. Now, um, it includes everything, and this is another. Bit of a trick, really. Yeah. So it includes fuel, I, yeah, I servicing, tyres, yeah. repayments, rego, insurances. It basically includes everything. Now, um, people love that, yeah. and I can understand that. Yeah, they yeah. love the package component of it. This yeah. won't cost me any more. You, you yeah. Just recognise you pay for that. Yes. You pay for that. You pay for that insurance. It's, it's a little bit like mm. insurance. Yeah. Um, so the total out-of-pocket cost is $21,710. Um, just going through that again, it's the six thousand seven hundred and ten dollars in the hand that he would have received on the on the. This is confusing this part, but it's the, but that's the the pre tax amount that they take from his his wage. It's eleven thousand yeah. um, dollars. That would translate into only six thousand seven hundred and ten in the hand if he took that as income. Mm-hmm. 
And it's the fifteen thousand dollars that they take from his after tax wage. So yeah. those two amounts together, twenty one thousand seven hundred and ten dollars per year for this vehicle. It includes fuel, it includes servicing, it includes tires, repayments, rego, insurances, all those types of things. So we worked out that if he fully owned this vehicle and he wasn't on a lease plan, so if he paid cash for it, if he, or if he, yeah. um, you know, if he fully owned it somehow, then the total yearly cost would only be around ten thousand dollars. Yeah. And and that's allowing for a thousand dollars for registration, which is mm-hmm. overs. It's a little bit less than that. Thousand dollars a year for insurances um, and tyres and servicing. Two thousand dollars a year. Uh, any repairs would come under that. And then the kilometres that he does fuels about $6,000. So it's about $10,000 it would cost uh, if he fully owned that vehicle. Now, here's the trick. Um, there's zero tax deductions. <laughs> yeah. It's costing him $10,000, zero tax deductions. In the other scenario, he sees that he gets a $4,290 tax deduction. Yeah. However, he's got to spend. even even after factoring that in, it's costing him twenty one thousand seven hundred and ten yeah. out of his wage. Now that's factored in that four thousand two hundred ninety dollars yeah. for tax deduction. No, that's right. So we'd have to <laughs> we'd have to gross that up if we if we didn't factor that in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's effectively costing him twenty six thousand dollars to pick uh, up a four thousand pick up a four thousand two hundred ninety dollar tax deduction. Yeah. Compared to if he fully owned the vehicle and wasn't on the lease plan, it would cost him only ten thousand dollars. Now the opportunity cost of having only ten thousand dollar repayment versus twenty one thousand seven hundred and ten that he's making now. Mm. Huge. Um he could have that eleven thousand seven hundred and ten dollars a year difference going into his superannuation fund, which he can claim a tax deduction for as well. Um so you know, there's a there's a there's a different way to look at it. Yeah. Um, I'll make a statement here. There is no better way to own a car than to fully own the car and keep it for as long as it will run. Yeah. Um, I'll refer you back to a classic <laughs> podcast of the, of the Money Over 50 one of, podcast. One of, the, one of the early best. Drive a $15,000 car to draw an extra $717,000 in retirement. Yeah. Um, go back and have a listen to that because that just that, that sort of highlights over a 15-year time frame if you yeah. drive a less expensive car. Yeah. The power of having the repayments that you could be making to the more expensive car go into your superannuation fund and how much better of a lifestyle you'll have yeah. in retirement uh, as yeah. you approach retirement and there. That, so, and that, that's a, uh, this is, like we said, the, the great example here is that that's that's the comparison really. It's like what else could I do with that money? It's, yep. it's not – you can't just look at something and go, oh, well, this is – I pick up a tax saving of $4,000 a year. Yes, but I have to. I have to give up twenty six thousand dollars to get the four thousand dollars saving. Yes. And what am I left with in five years' time? Is I'm left with a five year old car. Yes. So, I've spent a dollar now to to save some tax along the way to be left with you know an asset that's probably worth thirty dollar in five years' time. So, it's it's just a. I mean, this is the key when it comes to the the, the car mm-hmm. thing, but it's the key when it comes to all these tax deductions. You've really got to think about, you know. We all want to save tax and no one likes paying tax. But yes. where is this going to put me in five, ten years' time? And what is what is the best way to end up in the situation that I want to be in and, and do that in the most tax-effective way? Not not just to look at it and go, how do I minimise my tax in this financial year? Absolutely. And it's all, it's, all, it's all the way you think about it because so many people put the tax deduction as the primary reason for them doing something. Yep. But it can never be the primary reason. No. So... Just a quick recap before we wrap up, because that's been a long podcast, obviously. So the good, it's all pitched around claiming a tax deduction on the way into super, yep. turning a dollar into two dollars, yep. um, and getting it back tax free yep. at some stage in the future. So, yep. so number one, concessional contributions to superannuation, reducing your tax from thirty four and a half percent or thirty nine percent down to fifteen percent. Number two, the carry forward concessional contributions. Uh, we use the capital gains tax example. Number three, when you've got the money into superannuation, you're paying a 15% rate of return or earnings taxation versus typically 34.5% to 39% if you had a um, that money invested outside in your own name. Number four, franking credits, not just a great resource name. Uh, number five, the 1.6 per person, $3.2 million per couple Um uh, 0% taxed environment after turning age 60 and being retired. Um, 
your superannuation can go yeah. into that environment. So, yeah. so that's the good. That's is, the good. Is, the good is turning a dollar into two dollars, and yep. and doing it in a tax effective way. Yes. And, and the bad, so a negatively geared investment property. What we're talking about there is turning a dollar into a dollar, probably mm. in in future. We're turning a yes. dollar into a dollar ten or into ninety cents, maybe depending on what markets do. That's that's right. Or or yeah, even turning a dollar into a dollar fifty, but having to strip out yeah you know, thirty five cents. Yes. Uh, because that's what. Yeah, you know, it cost me to hold it each, 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 even after yep. factoring in the tax deduction along the way. Yep. And then, and then the ugly. And then the is, ugly is turning a dollar into thirty cents. Turning a dollar into thirty cents. <laughs> yeah. Um, buying a more expensive car. Yeah. Um, looking at it from a tax deductibility point of view. Yeah. Uh, first, which yes. is a mistake. Yeah. Um, and, and this is there's a lot of these things when it comes to the car is a great example of one where you really. If you want to buy that more expensive car, don't even. And I'm, I, I'm probably a bit of a stickler with this with clients when they're talking about buying more expensive cars. It, we're not. We're not even talking about tax. We're just. To, yes. Let's just firstly talk about can you can you afford to buy that car, and will you get as much enjoyment out of the cost of what that car is going to be as what you could have been other ways if you'd been. Saving more and, and having um, you know more to spend in retirement, or if you'd been using that money in other ways along along your your working life, the first step there is you know can you actually afford it? If you can't if you can't afford to do that and still do all the other things you want to do, we're not even going to bother talking well, about the exactly. Most and I think it's a fair assumption, Dallas, that anyone listening yeah. is is worried about their retirement yes. somehow. Yeah. Like even if it's yeah. only even if they think they're yeah. on track and they have only ten yeah. percent worried. Yeah. Um, there's a yeah. range there's between. Some constraint. There's some yeah. sort of constraint. There's some sort of worry. There's yeah. some sort of concern. Yeah. Yeah. There's some sort of yeah. uh, wanting to enhance yeah. their retirement savings. So I think it's fair to assume that almost for everyone listening, yeah. it, it's it's, um, and we include ourselves in this. We just cannot justify driving a more expensive car. No. For the cost of being able to to use the difference. Yes. And put that money into our superannuation funds, yeah. and and have that grow for us. Now, the secondary benefit of that is the tax deduction that mm. we get to do that. That's right. And the tax-free nature of it in the future, and the and the tax advantage rate of return. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a I think it's a fair assumption to make. Yeah. It, it just just cars yeah. like we just we cannot stand talking about cars. Can we? Like <laughs> no, we just, no, we can't. But, <laughs> and it's one of those things where you get for some people if they are just obsessed with cars and that's mm. what they're into and um, you know I, I had I met with a client the other day that he, he's, he's a cattle agent he spends 20 hours a week in his car mm. and he, and that's what he does and, and he really and that's you're then getting into the territory where you go if that's more important to you and you know having a nice car is more important to him probably than having a nice home because he spends yes. almost more time in the car than in the home. home but for for 99 people out of 100 then they are generally not making that choice on the, to to buy the more expensive car. What happens is the the tax deduction thing just sneaks into their brain and and skews that decision in a way where they can kind of kid themselves that oh well it's tax deductible it's mm. it's okay I can afford to it's only this much per week because the finance guy told me that mm. and and away you go. So that's the point here is that unfortunately we're we're here to be the bearer of bad news and tell you it's it's not that easy. There is a real cost to that and you are turning a dollar into thirty cents. Yeah, absolutely. Good place to wrap up. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Money Over Fifty Podcast with Money Over Fifty Financial Advisors. We look forward to catching up again soon.